Hi, and welcome to the Digiday podcast at Cannes. I'm Michael Berge, senior editor with Digiday, and I'll be your host for a series of bonus episodes from the Cannes Lion Festival. Every day this week, I'll be bringing you interviews with CEOs and founders who are going to speak to things like the power of AI, the blending of media and creative, what's going on with the culture wars, and fighting the good fight on sustainability. Hi, and welcome back to the Digiday podcast at Cannes. We are recording our last episode here in Spotify Studios and here in lovely Cannes, France. I'm really delighted to have with me this morning Anne Coughlin, who is the COO and co-founder of Scope3. Scope3 is a company that helps uh, companies in the digital ad and media business figure out what their carbon emissions are and then helps them find ways to reduce that. So, Anne, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I guess I, I gave a brief description just now of what Scope 3 is, but maybe you can go in just a little bit more detail of how it is that you work with companies and what it is you help them determine to get to those next steps of reducing carbon emissions. Yeah, absolutely. So at Scope 3, we work with players across the entire advertising ecosystem, from media owners all the way through to agencies working with their brands. Um, and what we really do is we enable a model to firstly, understand what the carbon footprint is of the digital advertising supply chain. We work with companies then to determine ways in which they can reduce that supply chain. Uh, and obviously, there's different uh, steps to be taken for uh, every player in the ecosystem from a publisher, looking at the, the number of supply partners that they work with, understanding the footprint of their corporate emissions that we can kind of tie into our model, all the way through to actually buying an advertising campaign and understanding where there are ways to reduce the carbon footprint, which is really a, a, a means also of thinking about how to reduce wasteful practices within media buying. Got it. You know, you say digital advertising. I was going to ask you later on, but I'm going to might as well ask you now. So you don't really address other forms of media, whether it's print or out of home or even TV. So some some TV, connected TV, anything that's in the digital realm. Right. But really, I think we we founded this company um, because there was a lack of awareness and understanding that digital was even a problem, right? You hear businesses saying, I'm moving all of my all of my physical activity, my print activity, I'm going more into digital. I think digital is this, you know, we're in we're in an advertising uh, festival today. We're really good, people are really good at marketing. Yes. The cloud is a great term that makes us think it's fluffy and ephemeral. And we don't think of server farms that are actually powering the industry. So when we founded the company, we were really thinking, okay, this is a, a problem that needs to be addressed really from a, a an awareness and a recognition perspective and I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had in the year in the in the last year and a half where it's a light bulb moment that goes off of oh my gosh my digital uh, um, practices have a physical consequence yep. because all of the servers all of the power um, of electric like electricity powering or the yep. entire ecosystem has an actual impact to the carbon emissions that we are putting into the atmosphere. So we've started in the digital world, um, really because we can also see that because we have so much information about the digital world, there are quick, easy steps yeah. to make action and take steps to reduce right now. Um, so it's a, a quicker way of reducing uh, carbon emissions. If you remove a ton of carbon from the atmosphere today, that's you know up until 2030, that, that ton has been essentially 
stays removed from the atmosphere for the next six years. Right. So that's why we started there. You know, there's the three scopes, and you are, your company is named Scope 3. Quickly, just, you know, for those who don't know, what, what's Scope 1 and Scope 2 that leads to Scope 3? That's a really great question. Um, so the the scope one, two, and three come from the greenhouse gas protocol. So we're really lucky that this is a, kind of a, a new area within the advertising ecosystem that people have to get their heads around, but we're not inventing it, right? Right. Viewability, the ecosystem has invented. My <laughs> husband, if we're sitting at dinner, he doesn't care about viewability, but he does care about the atmosphere. As does most and, of the world. Right? <laughs> um, so scope one are the, um, the emissions that a business... Uh, as a business, you kind of own and completely control. So they're your direct emissions. Yep. Um, in the digital world, uh, if, if you're a purely digital company, you're probably not going to have smelters in your offices, you know, <laughs> doing the... Like, Hope not. Well, probably not. Um, I was in the worked in the, the mining space for a while, and, and they there was a significant amount of scope one emissions. Right. Scope two are your indirect emissions from uh, energy production. So this is things like your heating bill, your mm. gas bill, electricity for your office space. And then scope three are all of your indirect emissions from your supply chain. And there are lots of different categories that the greenhouse gas protocol uh, denotes. So things like business travel is an easier one for companies to identify because they have all the receipts of, you know, where where people have been yes. flying to or taking the train, etc. Employee commuting is one that you can survey your employees. There are, I think, 14 different categories. And then uh, some one of those is goods and services. There isn't a specific category for marketing and advertising that usually falls under the goods and services. And what we see is that can be a really significant amount of the overall footprint, depending on what a company is doing. I was on a, a panel with uh, the CMO of MBP. So it's a, a circular marketplace for uh, buying and selling photography photographic equipment in the okay. UK. So they don't actually have any production. And their marketing um, emission, the emissions from their marketing was equivalent to their couriers. And that was really like the main thing that they do is transport this large photographic equipment to people who have bought it. And that's kind of really stark um, that there is this significant impact from a, from a marketing perspective for, for companies. Okay, thank you. Um, one thing that came out this week is the uh, an ANA report, uh, Association of National Advertisers report on, you know, kind of the state of lack of transparency in the programmatic business. And, uh, you know, one of the things that it kind of seemed to acknowledge is that not much has changed. And it seems the programmatic industry is also one of the worst offenders when it comes to carbon emissions and, and this, this kind of scope three indirect emissions. Um, you know, is it is it the worst among all media from from where from what you're seeing and how can it clean up its act? I think there's a real opportunity for the programmatic ecosystem to clean up its act because we have a lot of data now that points to the fact that it's a carbon intensive business. If you you know if you think about what publishers have been doing for years is that kind of being told to add a myriad of SSPs to their header bidding setup. They have header bidding, they have, there's GAM, there's uh, open bidding, there are all these processes yeah. where we see hundreds and hundreds of server calls happening within the programmatic um, ecosystem. Right. What was fascinating about that ANA report, there were two stats that kind of stood out to me. One is that um, the, the average number of domains that the participants were serving on was 44,000. <laughs> Now, I don't know about you, but 
if I start thinking about the the web number of websites I know, <laughs> and I I go on, I could probably get to twenty five, and then I start running out of ideas. Okay, yeah. so that was one where actually well, thirty nine thousand and change there. <laughs> exactly. So if you think about what um, a brand is doing to try and uh, reach their audience, like if you think about the the premium, and it's, and it's a difficult word to define, but the premium publisher landscape, what we see in our work with publishers is that a lot of the publishers that really care about the user experience, they ultimately care about the relationship that they have with the advertiser. They've actually been aligning business practices, sometimes unknowingly, sometimes knowingly, right. with a more sustainable business practice as well. The other stat that was amazing was that I think it was 22% of, or 20, yeah, 22% of domains were MFA, made for advertising. And we see a huge correlation between high emissions and made for advertising sites. And so there's a massive opportunity here for a, um, a shift of spend away from high intensity um, uh, domains, apps, etc., um, to companies that are doing the right thing for the environment as right. well. Right. And I think to your point that, you know, it looks like over the years of these studies that not much has changed. There's still a lack of transparency. There is still this craving for um, a light to be shone m m uh, more readily on the ecosystem like sustainability and this this issue is something that transcends advertising because it rolls up into board level conversations yeah. now that there needs to be regulation adhered to from a reporting perspective so you've got your financial reporting and now you have your carbon reporting that you need to do and so i think this is a real um push in the right direction to actually start to think about how we clean up the programmatic ecosystem. Well, it feels like that's kind of where we are overall with sustainability is like now we've done a pretty clear job of identifying the problem and now it's like roll up your sleeves, get to work, figure out how you can reduce. Um, and you know, last I checked, I don't think I've looked at a, a you know an MFA site or app uh, intentionally at least any time in my life. So I think, yeah, the more those things go away. And that leads me to a question of, you know, um, for those publishers that may not be premium and that might not clean up their act in the long run, do you think we'll see some companies go out of business? Because what I hear is that, you know, or at least the recommendations are, if you're working with a publisher that is like wasteful or, you know, really scores badly on some sort of measure of emissions, you might want to think about, you know, reassessing how much money you spend with them and to re redirect it somewhere else that it, you know, to a company that is a little bit more efficient. Do you think we'll see companies go out of business as a result of that if they don't clean up their act? Well, I hope we see some companies go out of business from an MFA perspective. Yeah. I think we need to make sure that, um, you know, as we are reimagining what uh, the internet we all want, looks like yeah. we make sure that we are being thoughtful and purposeful about how we also help publishers to be aware of the ways that they reduce emissions and so we've been really fortunate that a significant numbers of publishers have been really leaning in with us to understand what they can be doing um, and that extends to uh, you know uh, publishers where there are other goals that we need to um, be thinking about when we think about what a diverse uh, internet looks like and making sure that you know everyone has the tools that they need to be able to reduce. So you, in your question, you kind of said, you know, the people that can't clean up their emissions. I think there are actual real economic incentives to clean up yeah. from an emissions perspective if we're seeing this broad, um, uh, broad sweeping change of a systematic 
race to the bottom in the best possible way if we're thinking about emissions. <laughs> right. Finally, a good race to the bottom. Yeah, it's the, the one we want to have. Exactly. Right. Um, so I, I think that um, what I would hope to see is that the essentially the the practices and business practices that we wouldn't see are, are the ones that, that suffer in the end. Right. So as I'm sure you've noticed, the topic that no one seems to be able to avoid here is generative AI. In terms of everything you've talked about, it sounds like generative AI is off the charts in terms of the emissions it needs in order to be powered. You talked about server farms and stuff. I, From what I understand, generative AI is, you know, like kind of geometrically increased from what the digital business has been. What do we do there? Because everyone seems to be jumping on that bandwagon. Is Are we going to just see an even larger scope of problem? Yeah, so it's something that we've started to look at. Um, and I think that this is the the challenge that marketers face when they are looking at what it means to have effective advertising with the least possible impact on the planet as possible. So I think, you know, we need to look at the good ideas that are out there and the um, the tools that you know are going to make the ecosystem more interesting, like generative AI, but actually... Is it going to have negative detrimental consequences from an environmental perspective? Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of computing that goes into that. Undoubtedly. And so I think that the first step really is the the quantifying the problem and asking the, the hard questions. Uh, I think, you know, we, we see generative AI as the big topic this year. We actually were having exactly the same conversations from a sustainability perspective last year around the metaverse. The metaverse. Because again... The poor metaverse that everyone decided to just shove aside for their, yeah. their new boyfriend AI, you know? <laughs> exactly. But I think there is this um, need to be uh, skeptical and ask the right questions here and be thoughtful about making sure that sustainability is... Uh, brought into business decisions and it's not you know a separate column at the side that is a, a checkbox at the end so yeah. um i think the awareness that uh, has been built up in this sustainability movement in the last couple of years within the ecosystem around the fact that you know anything digital is not fluffy and has a physical impact yeah. should be you know at least setting little alarm bells off in the minds of people that are starting to think about generative AI. right so that when they think about whatever the next technology is that might even be more power intensive that they think pre preventatively like wait a minute we can't do that because it's going to use up even more power absolutely okay so i guess my last question for you is how hopeful are you for the future because it's easy to kind of go down dystopian shoots and think we're we're all in trouble and we're doomed um you know and, and you're you're seeing the worst behavior kind of up front by the work that scope three does how hopeful are you for the for the future i think i'm i'm an optimist at heart good and i think the fact that we are having this conversation today this is your final podcast hopefully um the the listeners are uh, interested in this topic and there's been so much conversation about this this year but i think what's been different on panels and discussions that i've had this year is that last year it was all about education first and then we were talking about how we need to act and this year there were case studies, discussions, data points around things that have already started to happen. So, you know, companies like uh, Insider who've reduced their uh, carbon emissions in Q1 on an advertising perspective, from an advertising perspective by 26%. Like, these yep. are real numbers. We are starting to measure this. We've seen at Scope 3, we released a state of sustainable advertising report in April where we 
know, that's kind of the first stake in the ground to actually hopefully be tracking carbon reduction over time. Right. This is kind of real data and real numbers that we can use to track our hope, I would say. Yeah. I think there is a, a sense of urgency, uh, certainly from people that were traveling from the US this week. If you if you live in New York, uh, you live in on the East Coast, like the Californian wildfires that people have been so used to for many years and is almost, you know, regular news in the annual news cycle is now happening from the Canadian fires. Yeah. We're seeing in Europe, you know, how many heat stress days there are mm-hmm. um, where, you know, people in, in Southern Europe, in Spain, in Greece um, are, you know, at, at the point of it being too hot to actually survive. And this is just some of the, you know, uh, Western intensive things that we're actually feeling and seeing. So I, I'm hopeful that we're now talking about what can we do for ourselves? We're not talking about our kids and future generations anymore. Yeah, and that it, makes it, it really real, right? It yes. makes it really real. And it means that people are starting to think about how they can marry maybe some of the things that they're doing in their personal lives from a sustainability perspective and how they bring that into their jobs. And that gives me hope because there are lots and lots of really smart people in this industry that can be doing something. Let's hope you're right. It, it, it isn't lost on me that, you know, several thousand of us flew over from the United States to talk about sustainability and reducing emissions. And I know the airline industry isn't exactly, they've actually improved their act dramatically, but it's still pretty, you know, it's still a good amount of emissions for me to have come over from, you know, Newark, Newark uh, airport all the way over here. But, you know, we still have to have these discussions. So um, I'm glad you were here and I'm really grateful that you joined us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anne. 